0: Hello, Heron. Hi, Tom. So, I have a few topics in front of me. Do you have anything that you wanted to start with? Yeah, I do. Okay.
1: Although it's starting off really great, uh, I've had a lot of trouble with Skype recently. Wow. uh, Talking with other people, you know, just in my normal use. Have you had any problems with Skype? if,
0: if, If you take your mind back maybe three, four weeks ago... Well,
1: yeah, I know we we've had a, trouble. No, I no, I, I know we've had some, but I'm just wondering. I, I only recall it really happening with you, but now I'm starting to see it everywhere, and I'm just yeah. curious whether you've seen the same thing.
0: I recorded a model rail radio probably around the time you and I last recorded, and um, now I know not well. Now I know not to use the microphone um, and to be wired and to stop every fifteen to twenty minutes. We did have a crash last time you and I talked, I seem to recall. But, yeah, now I take a varied degree of precautions. Things are a little bit better than they were when we last spoke. But they're still not brilliant. And I think, as you have uh, intonated in previous conversations, Microsoft isn't putting the money or the energy into it anymore.
1: No, it's just been deteriorating yes. slowly. And I'm wondering if it's time to start looking. Is, is there an alternative?
0: Well, we could use google voice where we would do like a google video chat but hold the video um i don't i mean my perspective is
1: i'm but, but I'm, I'm just saying, as a general communication tool mm. i mean this is i mean it, th- th- yeah this is a problem now it's becoming yeah. a problem and i use i mean it's been the center of my communication Certainly. for years
0: Yes. I think we're kind of lulled ourselves into the sense of security with something which (laughs) is funny. We we
1: need to nationalize this.
0: (laughs) Yes. AT and T. Yes, that's exactly what we need to do. I don't know. I mean I my experience has also been with regards to this new laptop as well. This laptop installed the latest Mac operating system version last night, and then I had to spend three hours, you know, doing various procedures in order to get it, I think, to install the original version of this operating system, and the whole thing was... I mean, it's. firstly, I've got to say, it's really impressive that when your computer doesn't boot up and cycles repeatedly through the boot-up phase, that at least Apple has put in tools where you can recover from that state. And yeah. And I was able last night, for through a series of iterations, to recover from that
1: state. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass, but it's nice that you can do it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I don't know. I mean... It's funny because you get into this perfect lull, and I still have my old laptop, and I considered using it, and then I booted up, and I realized, no, it's painfully slow, and I'm just going to deal with the circumstances Yeah, of the for yeah. this new computer.
1: And you're using El Capitan, right? 10.11.
0: Yeah, 10.11. Yeah. I was using 10.11.4, and it might have gone back to 10.11.0. I'm not sure what it reinstalled last night. But whatever panic disc reinstalls after yeah. you go through four or five iterative cycles, that's what I ended up oh,
1: with. Yeah, I'm still on ten ten and I yeah. I don't see any reason to
0: Un-budge. To My perspective is around. it all goes downhill in ten eleven and yeah.
1: I mean we really are at a turning point, I think, or, or the or at a lack of turning points. Yeah. <laughs> that that you know, I mean, this just we've gotten used to everything new and faster and better and You know, and I think we're nearing the end of that period.
0: Hmm. Hmm. It's an interesting perspective. I think the technology is moving in different directions. I think we're kind of captivated by a traditional paradigm associated with talking with each other. And the new paradigm is associated with doing, you know, video staff usually with technology that's either like removed from the computer <laughs> well that's all regard. fine
1: and well yeah. that, that's not a problem that those are all good things to
0: have yeah, it's, it's just not the way that we're used to communicating it's certainly not the way we're used to providing podcasts so yeah, yeah i don't know what's happening currently but i'm kind of disappointed as a i don't necessarily call myself a technologist but someone who's you know embedded themselves in technology for a period of time i think it's all a little bit strange to me, and I am feeling very much like you are—that this is some strange kind of apocalyptic shift, which we probably need to acknowledge and behave accordingly. So
1: Well, I don't—I don't know what to make of it. It just strikes me as—is, as, you know, I mean, it worked really well for a long time. Well, <laughs> you know, it just was never an issue. It just I think works. we've moved
0: past the standard, even the laptop paradigm now. I think the. Technology, which is mm. making a lot of money currently is not, unfortunately, software running on a laptop, you know, as we see it. In fact, most of the stuff that we get through these devices are near to free. So I don't yep. know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because I had some communication with the call recorder folk who seemed perfectly nice. Yeah. That acknowledged that my microphone wouldn't work with Core uh, Recorder specifically. Yeah. Um, right. I didn't have any... I mean, this is this is going to be a topic for this evening in a variety of different perturbations, but I didn't have any time to actually go through the debugging with them. I wanted to... Well, I considered doing it, but I just haven't had time to do any of the debugging. Instead, I've just removed the microphone for... <laughs> there there the are Skype so
1: rules. many minutes in a day. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I
0: feel it was... Tough. I used the microphone. It was... I can't recall how much it was. It was in that hundred... It was... In, like, I think it was probably $140, maybe a little bit less. And I almost felt like sending them another microphone just so they could do the debugging on their end with a a live fire device. It's a change, as I say, away from what has traditionally been the OWL realm, the desktop or laptop computer realm, into all these other things. Hmm. So it's not going to change or what more importantly, well, it's, it's going to change sure. change. <laughs> it's not going to come back to the way we want it to be unfortunately i don't Well
1: think. hopefully it can go forward to something even better mm. but, you know god it it's um, it's a little disappointing you know i mean i would thought we have moved beyond this that we sort of had at least audio handled
0: well you know? it's interesting i mean it's a bit like malls you know there are people that still like malls they're in the minority they're strange but they do go and populate malls on yeah, occasion. Yeah. Well, the rest of us have just moved on from that whole paradigm. So
1: yeah,
0: yeah. we are the um, epistemological, technological mall shoppers in this circumstance, I think. We need <laughs> to embrace that in our sweatpants as we trudge I'm around the digital sure mall. I'm not sure I buy that metaphor. Anyway. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm selling that metaphor, So. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Well, I just – I mean <sighs> –
1: there really isn't any Skype... I mean, again, it was just a sort of general way for me to communicate with people mm. of, by voice, you know, which is yeah. my preferred method. Yeah.
0: I'm really... It's interesting because Casey Neistat completed his one year of his daily video blogs that he's continuing for a second year. He has gotten 2 million subscribers through this period of time doing these daily video <laughs> blogs. Now, he, he did have half a million subscribers to start off with, which helps to move to two and a half million. But I kind of periodically debate getting into the video domain. But again, every time I do it, I have, you know, offensive comments left on the video. So
1: (laughs) so, you just got to get over that.
0: Well, I guess, yeah. But I mean, like, if, if there's only like two comments and one of them is blatantly, like, offensive associated with my appearance... It's not going to get me to do more of these things. Uh, what was the other one? Was there a good one? Um, was there a good one? Were there oh, any no, good no, ones? The, the second, sorry. The first comment was really rude. The second one was sympathetic to me about how we're all deteriorating. <laughs> Poor man. Yes. So, hardly <laughs> bolstering the original comment. More in agreement, but sympathetic to my deterioration. What's what's another one of your topics, Heron?
1: About um, about why I record these things with you. Mm-hmm. And um, I was looking at some of the comments on the podcast, you know, I mean, because obviously these get posted and other people like them, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I realized that I don't really, and I never have, and I, I've never done it for an audience. Mm. I, I really, I mean, it's, I think it's great that there are a few people out there who get something from this. Yes, That's wonderful. Yes. And that's why I've always done all my podcasting stuff. But um, – but the reason I talk with you is because it's for me. Mm. I don't give a shit about anything beyond that. Well, it's clearly for other people as well.
0: I mean, that's the fascinating thing from it.
1: Well, yeah, and it, you know, but then I, I, I wonder about, well, like talking about Skype, that mm. kind of, or, or issues. I mean, because I, en- I enjoy talking with you. There are things that you can talk about that I can't. You know that can't as well. You know, and but some of those I, Well, like one of them is this other idea I want to talk about. It's really very self-serving. But then I realized everything I do here is self-serving. So <laughs> I've been talking with a guy here. You know, I've been going to these meetups, and one of them is startup meetups and business types of meetups and things I've been going to. And um, some guy has gotten an interest in my. Um, um, what do you call it? <laughs> you might English hearing uh, st- software and, mm. and website stuff, you know, for teaching people to speak English better. I assume we've talked about that, certainly Yeah. Somewhere. Okay. Anyway, uh, so he's interested in this, and uh, th- these are really early talks; they're they're barely talks. <laughs> but but one of the things I'm 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 realizing is I'm going to have to find somebody. Uh, who will, you know, that I can work with? That's actually going to build the fucking site. Mm. <laughs> you know, somebody who can handle all of that. And I haven't got a clue. I mean, it took me two years to find somebody to build uh, my keyboard. Mm. That, that was a long time. I, it, I was not, you know, that was that that sucked. I mean, I, I probably if I'd known what I was doing, I could have found somebody in a couple months instead of two years. <laughs> but but I'm not sure how to go about finding somebody I can work with to develop this, uh, this website. Mm. And, uh, and I thought, Tom probably could give me a few hints on this.
0: Um, the difficulty, I think, is that doing it as a website almost requires these days that you create an interface, which the website connects to, that could also connect to an app.
1: Oh, I understand that. Yeah, it, it's it, it's got to be available. Yeah, uh, on all platforms. That's why I want to do it on the web, not yeah. as a, a program in yeah. some particular platform. Exactly,
0: and that's why you know it has to be designed in a particular fashion. Yeah, I think the first thing I would consider is whether. Well, there are a number of parameters here. Firstly, are you going to pay this person?
1: Oh, yeah. This will be someone like I say. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm there's all sorts of possibilities. That's certainly one of them. There are other equity trade. There's all sorts of possibilities. Well,
0: no, I think I, you can't say that with any degree of certainty or no, even with no, any No, I degree can't of say anything at
1: this point. But I just want to let's, wanted, let's I, explore this.
0: Yeah, okay. So if if you were giving away revenue, you would No, let's assume I'm going to pay for it. Okay.
1: Because I mean that's what this other guy is doing. He's looking at how much it's going to cost to put this together. Mm.
0: You see, when we talked about this, and it was something that I intentionally cut from the audio. In fact, I think you asked me to intentionally cut it from the audio because you disclosed things which are actually almost identical to the conversation we have currently associated with this particular project yeah, and this kind of really stuff. Not- this is totally useless to anybody. It's way too abstract to well, be actionable. So when you okay. started talking to me about it, it sounded very similar to, what is it called? Rosetta Stone. Oh, and yeah. Rosetta Stone at that time... No,
1: no listen, I've looked at all those. They're, they're not doing anything even close to what...
0: Well, Rosetta Stone oh, requires you to pay, I think, $149 to even see the software. <laughs> no, this is going to be free or do you even yeah in fact there's a process that you
1: need to go through to get ready to start paying <laughs> you know? um, so i mean they, there's a learning front end to it where they have to learn mm. the phonetic system that we're using mm. and uh, and that's that'll that part will be free obviously
0: <laughs> well research is some challenges for that
1: yeah Well, again, they don't—they don't offer anything like what I'm doing anyway, so it's
0: not really even an issue. But you don't know what they're offering because you've never paid the money and you've never used the product.
1: No, but I've looked at their. Well, well, you're right. Um, Well, actually, I had well a couple of years ago. I had some of their software (laughs) that I.
0: Oh yes, that you managed to acquire somehow. Um, and, it's now, and, all...
1: and I'm telling you. That, well, like I say, I've it's... looked pretty extensively. Well,
0: it's now all done online, so I'm not sure how you could have gotten. Yeah. I mean, that might have been by
1: reading their their stuff, and you know, by looking at the websites and seeing what they do. You know, that's that's how. I mean, I I, I mean, like I suppose I could hire a researcher to go into a lot more depth, hmm. <laughs> but I looked and. Basically, what I see is just what they've been doing for the last hundred years for this shit. They've well, got a computer involved, but they're not really doing your training.
0: Sell me on your investor friend.
1: Oh, listen. No, I'm not interested in selling you on anything. I just, i No, no, no. But
0: here's, here's the point. Yeah. Let me, let me cut to the chase rather than play some roundabout way of getting to you. Okay. Thing. Good idea. My, my perspective is I probably once a year now, it used to be twice a year. I would have lunch with a startup just to see what the standard of the industry was. A large part, the way that the startup would get to me would be associated mm-hmm. with the salary and the revenue and the um, you know percentage company ownership, this kind of stuff, that they were offering. So all the folk that were offering a third or less of what I own currently were basically filtered yeah. out of this equation. Yeah. The thing that I found through this was that, Everyone that's serious in technology currently, i.e. that they have good venture capital money, the one business model that they are all running with, without exception, is associated with being acquired. I guess my perspective is to even take time to look into this requires a certain degree of confidence in the people that you are looking to interact with. I mean, we could do it all very abstractly, but my sense about this is that any advice that I give is based on a set of parameters, which I would assume associated with a, let's call them a wise investor. And well, But that's-
1: I'm not interested in that part. What I'm talking about is how do I find, how do I know, or how do I locate a web development company or guy or team that can build this um Well, basically an HTML5 app that will run on computers and phones and everything else.
0: Well, it won't be an HTML5 app for a start. I guess my perspective is you may think that we are talking in completely different directions. My point is that in order to get the right people for you, you're going Mm -hmm. to have to have the right team to... Like, it's, it's not a situation where currently there are these people desperately looking for work. What's happening currently is actually within technology that there's a glut – well, actually, there's a glut of employment associated with these people. So if you find someone who might be able to help, they're either going to be a college student or they're going no, to be no, someone no,
1: no. that has – No, no, no. I'm interested in hiring a company, a, a, team, a, a team of people, whether they're again, – again, the issue is how am I going to find – I mean, there are clearly plenty of people out there who could be groundbreaking, uh, but it would be nice if they brought some style and some wit and it was, and <laughs> some contributions to it and, uh, and we could work well together.
0: Well, based on my understanding, it could be slightly different, maybe 50% less, but you're looking for what you're describing between probably, I mean, you're dealing with millions of dollars worth of work here. Okay.
1: Anyway, I, I've talked to people over the years, and I've had close quote up to 150,000
0: to put something like this together. Um, that probably would have been about 10 years ago. We're in a completely different, I mean, I'm pitched things in that range, but I wouldn't do it, and I don't think there are other people that would do it.
1: So well, it'd just be a job. Well, that's what I'm saying. If it's a big company, this is not a big deal. They're going to assign a couple of people to it and uh, do it in a couple of months, and that would be the end. It would be another job for
0: them. No, that's not the way technology works. That's really? Way, yeah. I mean, I would be really concerned if you were getting any advice from anyone that says to you that this is going to be 150000 That well, seems to be like comp- yeah. an order of magnitude wrong. And also... Do you know, maybe we're,
1: maybe I have, I don't know if you and I have ever talked about the specifics of this uh, website. It's not that big a deal, you know? Why is it going to cost a million and a half or more?
0: Well, okay, you're talking about four people minimum to work on this thing. Really? I would think from what you've described. Okay. And... In
1: different phases, yeah, there may be a, yeah, a database person that you bring in specifically. They wouldn't be that, a
0: database uh, person. Yeah, they right. would be a back-end server, yeah, right. writer, yeah. which sure. is not yeah. a database person. Um, also, when you hire a company to do this, you are paying typically between 30 to 50%, even in some cases 100%, over a single-person market rate sure, in these yeah. circumstances.
1: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I understand that. But it's not my money, so I don't give a shit.
0: Well, it's someone else's money, and I guess my perspective is... If- well, the thing is, I
1: want it, I want something I, I can count on. You know, it took me two years to find the people to build my keyboard, but yeah. they fucking built it, and they did a great job, and it still works. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And uh, so, you know, it's just about finding the right people to put this thing together.
0: I don't I mean, see it coming... I mean, you might be able to get it between, you know, five hundred. Well, again, million. you know,
1: actually, I don't much care about that. I mean, whatever it costs is what it's going to cost. I mean, that's just that. You know, if this guy can come up with the money, fine. If he can't, you know, I've got other things to do, so it's not that big a deal to me.
0: Well, I think... Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, my perspective is to, to comprehend the components that you'll need. You'll need someone who... There's an audio component to this, right? Yeah, yeah. Basically basically,
1: what it does is it plays uh, audio files and, and the student responds by indicating what sounds they thought they heard and then the program keeps statistics on which ones they're, they're getting right and which ones they're missing and blah, blah, blah.
0: The cheapest way to do this first potentially could be to start with an app. It would probably be cheaper to start with an app because there you are not paying... You know, you, you've got small contract work associated with graphic design, but you're not paying for an entire website to be designed. You would need someone who is a back end server person. You would probably need two app developers, uh, ideally. Uh, mm-hmm. You might be able to get lucky and find one. It would be. Um,
1: and, and when you say an app, you mean an app like for Mac OS or no? For it would be Windows. an
0: iOS or Android app. Probably iOS initially. So um, this
1: will, won't even run on a regular computer.
0: I'm, I'm trying to cut down your costs here. I so don't care
1: about the cost. The cost well, is my point. The, the, point cost, is- the
0: cost gets it done. So if it costs 500000 to get to a prototype where everyone can see it, gets a really good understanding versus budgeting yeah. for a million, you want it to be 500000 The cost is important here because it's the time to get it out to proof of concept to show people. Whether you like it or not, the cost is intrinsic in this thing. In the success.
1: Well, I understand that. You know, it's just,
0: well, yeah. Okay, all right. So, yeah, I think... This so the question
1: still is, how do I find who are the people I'm looking for who can actually build this?
0: Well, like I say, I think it's probably two app developers and a server engineer. You could probably get it together with maybe if this investor is, you know, smart enough to run that kind of crew. Ideally, what you would be looking for is one of or two of the guys or girls to be out of college and to be coming at it with, you know, able and to- And how work. do I find
1: people like this?
0: You go to UCLA, you go to, you know- I, But I'm um, not University a person- Southern California.
1: it won't work. I, I, don't, I don't know enough about it to judge whether or not they're capable. Well, or what somebody. you
0: need is you need your investor fellow- to be able to fill that void. Or you need your investor to fill that I don't have, trust
1: anybody to fill well, that void. Yeah, it has to be done with me. At then least. this is an esoteric
0: yeah. conversation between yeah. old friends, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, my perspective with these kind of technologies, because I've worked with startups and I have this kind of experience, is it requires a few miraculous events to get to circumstances where these things reach fruition if all the ducks are lined up. And it requires either you having the skills or someone you know having the skills who you trust. And it requires a variety of other things, which are even more esoteric than that.
1: Well, yeah, that's that's the thing is that, See, if I'm not interested in dealing with all of those issues, I, that's what this other guy is for. Well, <laughs> you know, he,
0: he needs to be an. Um, I mean, this is why we're going back to the start of this conversation. Yeah, you need to tell me who this guy is and what the skill set of this guy is because without that information, that's the critical missing piece in this discussion.
1: No, the question was, how do I find uh, somebody that can actually develop this into? a real working um, We site. come
0: full circle because I said, you need to find these people. And you said, I don't have the skills to find these people. And I said, well, you ah. need your investor to have the skills. And that's how we got to this point in the conversation.
1: Well, I, no, I didn't have it. I thought perhaps you'd say, oh, why don't you call Bill? <laughs> and Bill will know exactly how you well, can go into this. Uh,
0: typically, I was what sort of hoping. I mean, my perspective is, <laughs> if, if Bill exists, I wouldn't waste Bill's time at this stage because Bill would then come back to me You know, when I bumped into him in San Francisco and he would say, why the hell did you send this guy with this kind of idea who didn't have all these pieces in place and then said, I should have these pieces in place. And then, you know, I mean, I think to talk (laughs) about this seriously here, you need to either, you know, typically I used to I used to um, do technical assessments for people, including Wozniak and people on the East Coast. And the role of the technical assessment was that you'd get 100 pages from these startups and you'd read through it and you'd make sure that they covered all their bases and that they were worthy of this wealthy dude putting his money into yeah, this yeah, startup. Yeah. And you need to appreciate the level of detail in those 100 pages in order to get to the point where, I mean, I I don't know, I got, I got upwards of a million dollars, I think the highest stuff, well, I got... It you know, two and a half million dollars that never materialized. But in terms of actual money on the table, I was able to, you know, gather investments for startups in that kind of range. And the technical assessment on this is really, really intricate. So you need to at least start with something. And this is why people having conversations at meetups is a wonderful thing. But actually, the, the nuts and bolts, the materials that create these even failed startup companies is probably in the order of 6,000 hours of time devoted into going through this stuff meticulously. And yes, I be, and that's not me. Well, then I, you've got to find he, someone else. is
1: going to have to do that. I have to find someone I trust to work with.
0: Well, not only someone you trust to work with, but also because you don't want your time wasted too. I mean, that's part of this narrative, right? That's
1: the whole point. So, yes, I'm <laughs> not interested in spending my time yeah. dealing with all those kinds of issues. Someone else can do
0: that. Yeah. I, I would be spending probably... Between 45 and 60 hours a week in startup meetups to find that person, Heron. Because I think the chance yeah. of you finding that person just casually...
1: Well, I know this is extremely slim, but you yeah. never can tell. I mean, I, that's available to me. I go out and I talk to people. Some people respond. Mostly, I, I expect this, like everything else, will evaporate. Mm. But this guy has gone so far as to have two lunches with me and to talk and come back and then ask more questions. And then, uh, you know, so I don't fact, get a shit.
0: But I guess, I guess when I met people that did actually put money forward for my ideas, within the first two meetings, yeah. quite categorically, and this is yeah. really important here, and I could give a blurb about that person sufficient to someone else to say, ah, that person clearly has the right skills for what you need, ah, or ah, yeah. that person's yeah. missing. Yeah. And yeah, we keep right. returning to this. Yeah. And I keep getting nothing from you.
1: No, I, I know virtually nothing about the guy except that he works at the through Cal State University Entrepreneur Section. He has something to do with the university there, and
0: they have a what business successes? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know.
1: He he has. I mean, that's why he's there.
0: Uh, well, no, not at all. I mean, there are a wide variety of circumstances that get people in that position. No, I,
1: I listen. I overheard introduction when I first went to one of these things. Everybody introduced mm-hmm. themselves. He did. I didn't pay much attention to it because I didn't really give a shit. So, mm-hmm. but his was like several other people. He's retired. He's owned businesses and sold businesses, and currently is starting up a new ad serving business and. You know he's done all this shit. You know, and he's affiliated with the university in their entrepreneur, uh, whatever they have going.
0: University of Southern California.
1: Yeah. Okay. No, not USC. Uh, university of California. what uh, University of California at Fullerton, UC. UC. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah huh?
0: certainly. Okay.
1: So yeah, yeah. I don't really expect anything to come out of it, except that he's the first guy who's had two meetings and. Wants to explore it some more. I mean, he's frustrated uh, that I don't have more details, but you know,
0: <laughs> tough
1: shit. This is where we are with this thing. Mm. You know. So
0: he can't motivate you to create more details.
1: I can't create more details. There's no point in creating more details unless, uh, I mean, there's there's certainly enough as far as I'm concerned. If he if he doesn't, well, he does get it. That's why he's had two meetings. He he understands that what I'm talking about is a huge potential market if in fact it does what i say it does <laughs> but the market is fucking huge mm. you know it's 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 huge mm. all of asia for i mean well yeah you don't even need to talk about europe or any other place just talk about asia certainly so you know any case it's my issue as is i 'm sitting here talking about this is, is if this guy comes back to me and says, "Listen, I want to move forward with this uh, I've got uh, five hundred thousand dollars to to push it forward or whatever he comes well i'm obviously it's not going to come that way but but in any case i i I started realizing that if he did show up with the money, I don't know. who. I I can't put it together. i got to find somebody to do this.
0: My advice stands. I think you need a very part-time occasional graphic designer. You need either an amazing app developer or two generally good app developers. Uh And you need a server person. And that, I think, is the basic technology mix of this idea.
1: Okay, and and the point of this, why why develop an? And you're talking about iOS or
0: I would to go to iOS, but I'm mildly biased. But I think iOS has the better statistics, particularly in Asia.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, in any case, um, as opposed to uh, the, uh, developing a, a website, website, why 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 is that important?
0: There are critical ratios here, but I think there are five. There are more than five times as many cell phones as there are computers. And in the areas that you want, there are considerably more cell phones than No, but this,
1: this app is not, I'm pretty sure, I'm not absolutely convinced that a person actually has to be in a room, sitting down pretty much comfortable and isolated in a quiet environment for this to work.
0: That doesn't preclude a, a non-PC desktop circumstance. In fact... If they don't have a PC, that's going to or a Mac, or whatever, some desktop computer... Well, no, it could be... It,
1: listen, it could, that's why I wanted to do it in uh, HTML, to, to do the thing entirely on a website. That way, anybody can get at it from any goddamn system.
0: My point is that if there are five times as many cell phones or iOS devices or what have you than computers, particularly in the markets that you want to be in, mm-hmm. that trumps any possibility associated with your particular preference and your particular HTML5, what have you. That is, this is the way that you have to describe these things when you're talking to people that are looking to invest. Do you understand that having a cell phone versus not having a desktop computer means that having it run on a cell phone and having five times as many people have potential access to it yeah. Well, I have no problem with
1: making a, 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 but that's that's not that big a deal, is it? I mean, to to customize a website for a phone.
0: Ha- no, you don't. It's, it's the trivial. Audio, the audio processing component alone makes an app a preferred way of delivering this thing. Because if you do a computer, okay. Consider a PC. Consider the sound cards. Do you have a Java interface that does the downloading of the audio? Or consider an app that has native audio built into it.
1: Well, I mean, all we're doing here is playing MP3 files.
0: But you're also listening that, that are, to people speak, right? That are speak, a, right? a second or less. and That we're also what? You're listening to people speak
1: as no, well. No, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. I don't think you understand this. They're, we're not listening to them speak at all. It has nothing to do with speaking. It only is training their hearing to hear English. It's totally nothing but playing MP3s or whatever file we use and them responding by uh, pushing a button for the f- proper phonemes. That's it.
0: So it would be relatively easy for you to buy a book or you've got enough pirated software where you probably wouldn't even need a book <laughs> and create a proof of concept for this thing.
1: A proof of concept? I'm- yeah.
0: Like if they have I don't know twenty MP3 files, and they have to press forty different. Well, buttons.
1: there are going to be thousands and thousands. Okay, but the proof yeah, of concept yeah, is yeah, like, yeah.
0: let's do a few. Okay, yeah, right, yeah. I mean, if I was investing in this thing, I would be shrugging my shoulders and asking, "Why haven't you already done this?" Because <laughs> it sounds if you pitch then it you're simple, a fucking idiot. <laughs> well, congratulations, Aaron. <laughs> my checkbook remains closed.
1: <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I appreciate your, your input. Listen, I have listened to everything and um this has all gone in there and we'll see. You know, it, this I mean th- my sense is nothing will come of this anyway. Is that uh, this? Guy, I'll decide I don't want to work with this guy, <laughs> you know, or he'll decide he doesn't want to work with me, or mm. or whatever, you know. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see if I even hear from the guy again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, we had a nice lunch a couple of days ago, and um,
0: you didn't call him a fucking idiot, did you? <laughs> <laughs> no. Very good. Yeah. Cool. That's, that's rule number one: do not call potential investor fucking idiot.
1: Well, that may be appropriate though. I mean there it may be, there will come a time when it is appropriate for me to tell him he's a fucking idiot.
0: <laughs> we'll see very good, Herod. Very good.
1: Well, you know, I, like i say it, it's it's nothing to me it, it, I get to meet people and try out some ideas and see how they respond and and um you know, I mean, it's all been a great learning experience, <laughs> so mm. if, if nothing else comes out of it, um you know, it's just more experience.
0: So it's been two weeks, I think. Well, two weeks of missed recording since we last had the chance to chat. And I've been reflecting over this period of... So time. that would make it three weeks. Yes, it would. <laughs> I've been reflecting over this period of time associated with my plans to do a Kickstarter this year. And I've also been looking in parallel at what it would take to release these musical tracks, which originally was what the purpose of the Kickstarter was. I've found a number of sites that facilitate putting music on a variety of different services including Apple Music. And part of the Kickstarter requires seeding existing like music onto the interweb so folks can have a sense of that you exist prior to the Kickstarter. The gold standard associated with this is a fellow called Little Dicky who is a Jewish rapper who produced a Kickstarter that generated I think one hundred and seventy thousand. He released thirty tracks prior to doing the Kickstarter, and then he made this money. And then, and what,
1: wait a minute. So, what was uh, the why? Why were people giving him money so that so that he could what?
0: So that he could actually do a professional album and have the likes of Snoop Dogg and various other people perform. Oh,
1: he like wanted something. to hire these these. I don't guys. know
0: how it actually worked out in terms of the money. It's all kind of curious because he did work at an advertising firm for a period of time. And he jokes that he used his bar mitzvah money to cover the remaining portions. But he has now made himself at least a represented musician in whatever this current thing of music is. I have about four tracks that would be ready currently for like pre releasing, and I have probably another four tracks that are getting closer and closer to that. So I was considering releasing two EPs because they still, you can release them as singles, but. They still ideally are kind of clumped in groups and work on the easiest possible means to do like YouTube videos that go along with the various bits of music. And this, I think, has to preclude any Kickstarter initially, and also its nice atomizable work, which means, you know I have a couple of hours off tomorrow where I'm not going to be doing stuff work-related, so I can use that to record more vocals and do these things. I've atomized it very similar actually to open source. So, I've been working through these various ideas because I think I need to have at least 8 to 12 tracks in place before I run the Kickstarter, just to have the stuff out there. So, at least if there's not an audience initially, when I put the Kickstarter together, at least there'll be folks that can go and reference existing music that's out there. And in parallel to this as well, I've also been periodically listening to a variety of different, like, you know, folks that have become comfortable musicians within the past four or five years in a variety of genres. And what's interesting is that music as a whole seems to be moving away from this, you know, 12-track, 12-to-8-track LP form and more to these kind of incidental EP things that work very well through Apple Music and stuff like that. So I'm certainly willing to embrace that, and my hope is within the next couple of months to have have four of these tracks out there. Probably
1: the the nature of the artist and the material determines how it gets packaged. No, it's the consumers. It's the consumers. Well, no, but I mean, you still have to package it, uh, uh, say in group of four things or certainly whatever I'm saying. And that is determined, I assume by the artist's vision of the relationship between the parts of that whole, you know, I mean, right i mean
0: well what's interesting is that if you look at if you look at how the,
1: long is the whole thing i mean uh, is there sort of like an overall length that that's that you that's sort of standard
0: apple music allows the consumption of single tracks in fact it's more about musical grazing than it is about like doing hard purchases but and i get this from an existing musician a fellow called Oh, my goodness, now you're testing me. Anyway, I paid for part of his kickstart. Does it need
1: to be a a single track? How long can a single track be?
0: Uh, Well, two and a half minutes in some circumstances, but typically between three minutes and five minutes.
1: Five minutes? Okay, so you can't do a 15-minute single track. Oh, you
0: could. You could, by all means.
1: Could you do an hour single track?
0: Uh, There you're pushing it, but I think 15 minutes would be like the uppermost bounds of extension.
1: Really? That's interesting. Yeah. Why would they put a limit like that on it?
0: Well, it's associated with I think they pay on the first like your interaction with it merits payment. So it's not like, you know, ninety nine cents for the entire track if they play half of it forty you know eight cents or what have you. But the <laughs> the idea between Apple Play is that people will come back periodically and listen to the tracks and you will get a micro payment based on that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just all bullshit. So yeah, okay. That's unfortunate, but that's <laughs> that's earth in the year two thousand sixteen. Well, no, exactly. I mean, these are the
0: parameters that you have to work with. So, <laughs> well, no, I don't have to work with. Well, this I point. mean, if you were interested in putting music out, yeah, these yeah. Are the parameters.
1: Well, well, no. If I was interested in putting music into the world, I just put music into the world.
0: We'll see. Market, SoundCloud
1: making money off it. That's a whole separate issue. Well, n- <laughs>
0: There's a small percentage... You know, this has always been the rub with traditional... Let's call them traditional podcasters and what I do. And what, to a lesser extent, you do. I'm yeah. not interested in making money through this thing. So we put all this stuff up for okay. Yeah, and, then you just you know, make it
1: available. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. And I'm yeah. certainly not going to not make my music available. I'm just also interested in seeing if I record, you know, four tracks every four months, say, and do this for a few years does that gather together an audience sufficient where I could perform music periodically, you know? wow,
1: that would be interesting, wouldn't it? <laughs>
0: it would be, you know? I mean, that, I think, is a worthy experiment. It's not <laughs> yeah, sniffing, yeah, you know? Yeah,
1: so, okay, so this is a decades-long a, experiment. That's right, that's right. That makes a lot of sense. All my Chicken projects are at least Ironman, a decade long. You
0: know? Most of them are two decades long now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not worried by these time frames. In fact, it just yeah. interests me that I... Well, the mechanisms have been curious up until now, and I'm just looking to simplify the mechanisms. I mean, things like filing copyright is a very curious procedure, but it's something you just have to work into the process. One of the artists that I've been looking at, actually, there's a small collective in L.A., whose name mysteriously escapes me on this Friday evening, but um, the main musicians... There's a fellow called Tyler, the creator. There's a fellow called Earl Sweatshirt, various other folks. They were all like 18, 19, 20-year-olds. In fact, some of them, I think they were probably 24, 25, when they were initially signed in 2011. And they've had a progressive career since then, very much in a, although they released traditional LPs, but just a kind of mixed media, you know, YouTube, a variety of other different formats, plus, you know, a certain amount of sold music. And it seems an interesting movement. I don't think it's particularly... Their musicianship is not good. And this is what interests me as well, is that actually people can make a musical career completely <laughs> disregarding certainly everything that I consider important and definitely everything that you consider well,
1: important. Well, see, uh, yeah, that's the thing is the naming these things and categorizing them as music or this or that or poetry or street theater or, you know, all those labels. This is not music. If By music, you're talking Bach. You know, this is uh, – a whole different art form it has all you know it, it incorporates many aspects of music
0: yeah i mean it's beautiful. <laughs> of you you only are just, part of it and you have just confirmed everything i have said so so yeah this is something i'm exploring currently with the view that i'm i'm not currently time wise and this is what's curious about my life currently my life is being defined that i can't actually allocate the kind of length of time that i would put into something like a kickstarter and have any hope that I might actually achieve that with my <laughs> current time limits? Well, this
1: may be for uh, somewhere down in the future. Well,
0: no, but I want to try it. So, what I've mm. done is actually looked at what the small parcels of time, or morsels more importantly, that I can, you know, allocate to this thing in order to get to the desired goal of releasing, you know, four tracks in a kind of, you know, month or two's time frame, and then planning out another four tracks and releasing that in, you know, three subsequent months. I mean, the composition part I'm really enjoying. I'm recording, of which I discard two thirds, you know, three odd tracks a week, which is working out quite comfortably. And it's actually something that really empowers me because I spend a lot of time just with headphones in while I'm at work, programming or what have you, listening to the stuff. And it's very um, reinforcing in some regard that I can say, and I put things down I come back to them and I've said historically it would be nice to have a listening audience and a number of folk in the broader you know, Barbelay podcast community have reached out and said, you know, we'd be interested in listening. I think I want to try a few of these on my own and then get feedback directly through that. Another thing which has come up, which is another reason that we haven't been recording over the past few weeks, has uh, been that my wife has been spending extra time in Southern California. In fact, there was a chance if i was spending time with her we would both have been in hollywood um that i would have uh, bought you a meal um however that wasn't to be and my relationship with this thing is is somewhat convoluted but my mother-in-law has um had two heart operations in the past couple of weeks so we're having to postpone the trip to the uk based on that because you know my wife would like to come to the uk with me and unfortunately these Things mean that she needs to be in Southern California for chunks of time. Um, So for our UK listeners that haven't heard that already on Short Funk, um, hopefully postpone, hopefully later in the year, maybe late summer. Um, But yeah, we just can't do it currently in terms of going to the UK. In parallel to this, in order to give me something that I have been looking forward to and will take small amounts of time, very similar to the audio recording, I built a greenhouse last weekend. And I have about 300 to 400 seeds. Uh, the corn has come up already. And that has been a very interesting experience, primarily, again, a long-running... It's interesting. I don't think of our conversations as arguments, but a few people have <laughs> made that claim. Um, I think Connoisseur has burned most publicly over the past few weeks. I'm fascinated by this idea that I can grow enough food where we don't need to buy groceries of, of mm-hmm. vegetables.
1: Half the year, I get all my tomatoes <laughs> from the backyard. Yeah.
0: Well, in my case, it would be it's a six foot by eight foot space. It's seven feet tall, and I'm interested in seeing if I can grow all the vegetables that I need through this at least uh, once it starts working properly. Really? At least for four or five. In minutes. that
1: small a space, well, here's you where think it gets low Enough to, to no. handle all your veggie no. needs?
0: No. What happens is that they migrate in pots and soil, and the the main thing I'm lacking is the composting part of it associated with keeping the soil self-sufficient. But what I am doing is migrating them into pots and eventually moving the pots outside the greenhouse so, you know, things can get sun, you know. But with the water restrictions, it would be impossible to do this without a greenhouse. So I have this kind of greenhouse organ set up where ideally seeds grow to a certain size um, and then move into pots, which then move outside the greenhouse. Mm, okay. But um, it is an experiment. It is, it's taken uh, probably a day and a half so far, um, spread out over long periods of time. And it's fascinating because the greenhouse does actually create almost 100% circulation of water. Yeah. So the soil remains damp when the greenhouse is closed for days. <laughs> I mean, it really is astonishing. Yeah, and yeah, in the yeah. restrictions that we saw last year, it was almost impossible to consider even, well, I think it was uh, two, three feet by three feet areas. So it was a smaller area. Um, but yeah, it was difficult to, I mean, for periods of time, we had our supply of tomatoes and they're absolutely delicious, but nothing like the volume of uh, vegetables that I'm looking at. I was planning on doing some melons as well, and uh, without consulting with my spiritual advisor, I, I don't have the melon seeds out currently, but she wants melons. So um, I'm going to be looking at adding melons too. Um, I'm not doing uh, garlic or onions, but I'll probably do that later in the cycle. So that might be something that we have to still buy. Um, but in other things, uh lettuce, you know, bell peppers, zucchini, corn, a bunch of different kinds of tomatoes... Um, You know, these kind of things are we're going to be comfortably supplied with. So that also has been a project that I've been planning for a long time. And I've been talking about spiritual advisor for probably in the order of a year about. Um, But we didn't have the space that we have now because of our tenants leaving, you know, up until a kind of February timeframe. So when I heard they were leaving, we rediscussed and rediscussed and rediscussed the greenhouse uh, as becoming a, you know, And it's an interesting structure because it doesn't have glass. It has a kind of mesh with large kind of uh, transparent components to it. But it is in no way like a full glass greenhouse, which also gives some benefits because of the security issues in our area. You know, the potential for theft and a wide variety of other nonsense. I have a security camera on the greenhouse as well, <laughs> which just in, in the way that I'm living currently is, is yeah. one of things.
1: Yeah, starving people could come and steal your food.
0: Well, as I have all the components to delicious salsa, <laughs> and our, um, our back neighbours are actually a, a tyre yard. They're actually a car. I guess they do automobile work as well, but they mainly sell tyres. They play a lot of mariachi music, and yeah. I think the need for salsa is great. So (laughs) they're bordering, and, you know, a bunch of other folks are bordering as well. Um, And I'm just, I'm curious, associated, we had a a helicopter police chase thing where um, I thought initially someone had actually gone through our backyard. The sides are about 8 feet (laughs) and 10 feet high, but if someone was obsessed enough, they could certainly clamber. And if you see the way the cats get into our backyard... Yeah, yeah. no, no, if you've got enough
1: things. drugs going through your system and enough adrenaline. Yeah, you've got the
0: choppers overhead, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's one of these experiments, um, and so far only the corn has come up, but they've only really had six days worth of uh, exposure.
1: The so what's been planted so far?
0: About 150 uh, tomatoes, about 150 jalapenos, about
1: hundred and
0: fifty. Yes.
1: You're, you're expecting to get a hundred and fifty. Well, that's the no. no for,
0: uh, that's the number of seeds I've planted. In each.
1: Okay, you, and you expect that what percentage of them to seventy percent? Oh, okay, that's, all right. Oh, well, that'll give you plenty. It
0: will no, without <laughs> question. If that's really yeah. what I'm working on here, because this is the first time, I'm aiming really high, and I'm interested in seeing just the kind of soil usage. Yeah. And the, well, you've
1: done your homework. Yeah. You know that helps. Well,
0: I've done my starter <laughs> homework. I haven't done my, you know, here's what production actually looks like. Homework.
1: Yeah, well, but you know, it's not time for that yet.
0: Last year, I should have started the seeds inside, and I should have, I would have seedlings now if I'd started them inside. The cats are a part of that. Also, we're in a state of transition with our upstairs as well. Um, so yeah, really, I probably should have grown them inside from February. Uh, But, yeah, I'm I'm using the parameters that I have, basically. Anyway, so that's the greenhouse part of things. There will be periodic greenhouse updates through, uh, no doubt, through the recording. I turned 40 this year, and I've been reflecting on what this means for a variety of factors. We'll talk about some of them. The thing that occurs to me about turning 40 is about 22 years of this time, I was in prison. And about 18 years of this time... Well, actually, probably about 15 years at this time, I was working for other people, or I was working for corporations or something like this. And there's a small amount of time through there where I was genuinely working for myself on my own things. But analysing, you know, 40 years divided into these components, I'm actually really quite impressed that I've come to where I have in this time frame. But also, what initially was a defeatist thing was 40 years. You know, 40 years of time, here I am, Let's assume that I might reach somewhere into that. (laughs) What on earth can I possibly achieve where I am currently? And I think when you start reflecting on, well, actually, 22 years of this was proving to people that you could get out of Australia and actually getting out of Australia... And then looking at the remaining time, it doesn't really seem as defeatist as it originally did, you know, in general perspective. Well, the world's changed. Oh, without question.
1: (laughs) You know, I mean, nothing that we started with could have much – well, I wouldn't say nothing, but little of what we started with is relevant now. (laughs) Well,
0: that's where it gets particularly fascinating, because I purchased a magazine called Ken – And it was a magazine that was published for a short period of time between 1938 and 1939. It's a very curious magazine because it's a leftist magazine at the start of the Second World War that was published in. And this is
1: Australia?
0: No, in the US. Ken is an American magazine. Okay. And it's a fascinating magazine to read because it gives you a. And we've talked about this historically associated with the, the life magazines. It gives you a broad selection, particularly with the letters to the editor, of what the language and perspective was of people at the time. Yeah. yeah. Now, the 1930s, even the late 1930s, they were writing about Civil War widows. Now, Civil War widows were young girls that married elderly men because they would get Civil War pensions. For their lifetimes <laughs> and they were still paying se- civil war pensions in the late 1930s you can't imagine on the cusp of these various ideas <laughs> where this thing is in like language philosophy it really is very fascinating and That's amazing my yeah. spiritual advisor and i we took turns i went through it initially and then my spiritual advisor got to it. She reads far better than Well, she reads far deeper than I do. I, for these things, will do initial scan, find a few funny bits, keep reading, what have you. She will read it word for word in an evening setting, quite comfortably, including quoting things both that I read or quoting things that I missed. We found through this the term "goof butts."
1: Well, wait a minute, I, I, I'm still sort of hung up on what you just said. And you call what you're doing
0: reading? Ah, uh, heron. <laughs> well, I call things music that you don't call music, and we all have different definitions. Okay, okay all right. So,
1: uh, okay, I just—I'm just,
0: saying that I scanned it sufficiently, as I did my. Yeah, scanning.
1: I understand that. I do that for lots of stuff. Yeah, you know, but yeah. I, but I but I don't read everything that way.
0: I, I hold you. in my hand the most recent National Enquirer from one extreme to another. Let's <laughs> return to Kent. Okay, all right. So through this thing. You get such a tapestry of ideas. And we've talked about this historically associated with, like, can you go back to imagining what it was like for people in, you know, even the 1900s and have any concepts of oh, yeah, stuff yeah. that, you know. Anyway, sorry, yeah. I was talking about goof butts before you interrupted me, associated with my style of reading. We found this term goof butts in this magazine. Which goof might- butts or bots? Goof butts which clearly predates you, Heron, and I'm fascinated by this because my understanding is it was a term that was used up until the 1950s.
1: Uh-huh. Uh,
0: we have um, our listener, Austin, wanted me to reference something associated with relationships. Austin, I would recommend you and your partner, in fact, anyone that has a partner, Google the term goofbutts. And you will find hardcore pornography from the 1940s in comic book form relatively easily. Goofbutts, however, refers to reefer <laughs> cigarettes. It refers to, I guess, the, the consumed spliff or joint after it has, you know, been. Uh, well, actually, it doesn't. It refers to it even unlit and un unsmoked. Yeah, fascinating term. It's a
1: goofbutt. Yeah. Yeah, I've never heard that term before. I like that. Goofbuts. Yeah. yeah. All right.
0: And and for the couples that are looking for cartoon porn from the 1940s, uh, (laughs) Goofbuts as well. Brought to you by Stoning Goofbuts. Yes. Uh, Anyway, it's funny actually. Now I've mentioned, I'm going to talk about it. There's this. I googled Goofbuts because it seemed like such a ridiculous term, and found this pornography from the 1940s. In fact, you were born in 1946, right? Yep. So this is in 1948. Very intimately drawn and very, very hardcore um, in terms of the cartoon really? style. But um, this is
1: all animation.
0: No, no. Well, it's comic books. It's strip. It's strips. Oh, okay. Oh. Um, which makes <laughs> me be- you see, it's curious when you do this kind of experience because what is old is new, and what is new is old in some regard. And then you get these things like the example associated with the Civil War widows that are completely out of field. And what's fascinating through reading this is that they, are, they have an interview in the issue that I have. They have an interview with the Kaiser, the former, um, you know, ultimate leader of Germany, and on Hitler. So they're interviewing the Kaiser about what he thinks of Hitler currently.
1: Young, uh,
0: upcoming yeah, young. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with a snappy dress sense and a bunch of... Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's fascinating, and
1: you're still trying to make sense out of all this. No, 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 no,
0: no, 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 no. no. You've got to. It's like um, it's like a bath in unintelligible, untangible. Like this is pure chaos of ideas, which is where it's absolutely beautiful.
1: This is where I think you know this analogy of the caterpillar metamorphosing into an entirely new being Mm. does give us some way of
0: looking at all this chaos. Well, what interests me through this, and one of the reasons that I do this study, is finding the intimate intellectual aspect of this that is lost in my modernity. Like, I have a perspective which is just purely a view, it's not even a belief, it's not even in that category, that humans, although we have all this amazing technology now, there were people that had just the same kind of interests And just the same kind of passion, but just in completely (laughs) different areas, a number of which we have completely lost track of. And to go back and to read these things, and in particular travel... Or
1: read Marcus Aurelius. Yeah,
0: well, without question. (laughs) You know, I mean... But well, except a lot of that is staged to a certain extent.
1: Well, yeah, but he was capable of thoughts that are as modern as anybody's capable of having today.
0: Yeah. I guess what interests me is the Delta where this is like information on ideas that have been lost in modernity, which you get through Marcus Rose without question, without question. But I guess doing a random surveying, as I've done historically with life magazines and these kind of things, about stuff that isn't like, you know, (laughs) garnered by the intellectual establishment as being like the pinnacle of stuff that you should look at. No, look at the magazines that failed, that lasted two years. Although Hemingway did write for for Ken, Uh, but moving that aside... So it was such a fascinating experience associated with like diving back at the very origins of, of you know, what we both reference associated with the Second World War being like a definitive lion in the sand associated with the changing, yeah. you know, human perception.
1: I, I, that still seems to hold up to me. I've been saying that for a long time, and I've changed my ideas about a lot of things. Yeah. But uh, World War II, I, th- I think, boy, that's, you know, as history moves forward, we're going to see that. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was when it's, you know, that mm. was a good place to draw the line. Well, you for know?
0: technology alone, it's a good yeah. place to draw the line. Yeah, to, to yeah, yeah. It play was
1: it. a new world after yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah.
0: when I reflect back that, you know, I, 70-year-old folk, Existed. I mean, it's a brittle magazine. I need to point it out. It is a very brittle magazine to interact
1: Brittle with. or brutal? Brittle. Oh, it okay. It
0: literally falls apart in your hands as you read it. Oh, reader, okay. Um, right. Which I warned my spiritual advisor about, and she found as she read it. But what you see. Well,
1: isn't it in some sort of protective coating? or it's, something? It, or? Was,
0: I, it cost me. I think it cost me $19, including shipping. It was sold for 20. or well, less than 15 cents, I think. Okay. Right. Even less maybe, even thought, maybe less than that maybe even maybe less than that they sold tables of quality back then for $2.99 just beautiful wooden inlay tables for $2.99 which you can now buy for $79 my spiritual advisor looked at the, yeah. the ads yeah. anyway returning to this idea of of turning 40 so when you <laughs> put all this stuff into perspective in particular you can handle and and get intimate accounts from folks that lived, you know, in the 1930s, in the oh, yeah. modern Or any period at all. <laughs> well, with the, again, if you go back, I mean, this is the interesting thing with books that we've lamented and we've lamented associated even with DVDs. So much of this information is lost. Like, it really is totally lost. And... When you find these artifacts that are not preserved in any, you know, this has been republished seven, you know, times, and this is the, you know, the 12th edition of this and all this kind of stuff. When you find artifacts that are actually intended to be destroyed pretty soon after they were created, you tend to find a different quality in them than Marcus Aurelius. And what's interesting (laughs) through that, you get a different kind of perspective. And I guess this returns to the idea that I, we talked about periodically associated with what was it like in the Dark Ages? Like, you know, were these people just like oh, it was f- dark, filthy, <laughs> filthy? Oh, pass me that gruel. oh, I'm filthy.
1: Or well, it-, it was always like that for most of humanity, anyway. True. Fuck the Dark Ages. Well,
0: or was it a series of songs, a series of stories, a series of ideas? This is another thing that I've done over the since we last talked. I've been listening to a lot of the music that I sang as a boy, just as a means of in one regard controlling the migraines and the amount of religious propaganda that I sang as a child is just astonishing to me mm. i mean it it fascinates me. Where did
1: you learn that
0: to sing religious
1: music? Yeah, I mean, why those songs? As I was paid to, to Elvis sing those or something. I was
0: paid to sing those well. I was paid small amounts of money to sing those songs.
1: Oh, and church. I see. Okay.
0: Well, typically weddings and these kind of things. Oh, okay. But um, no, I mean, the religious songs that I sang. What, were, what religious community was this? When you look at Handel's Messiah, that is something that you sing in secular groups that want to hear Handel's Messiah. But it's mm-hmm. religious propaganda, fundamentally. You well, know.
1: sure. I mean, but yeah, there was, yeah. Huge, but I was just curious. What you know? You went to some church or something? No, right? I
0: was a member of the. When I sang in churches, it was through being a member of the Canberra Boys Choir. I was never a church chorister. I was always because my parents, you know, at least at the time, were not in any way religiously affiliated. Oh, okay. So, so when this I sang, is just by boy, happenstance that you. Well, no, this is where it's fascinating because the opportunities <laughs> for me to sing. There were small amounts. I mean, I, I sang various, you know, marla pieces and sent them out of Britain, although Britain, partially through satire and partially through what he wrote, you know, did have religious stuff that was part of his repertoire as well. So it was always through secular choirs. It was not through a church.
1: okay. Yeah, all right. But yeah.
0: even in that context, I, it astonishes me listening back to it now how much of it was like worship music, basically. And at the time... I had a very—I guess it was a cultural perspective that this was just the culture that I lived in, and this was the music you sang, and the culture that you lived in, and what have you. And now I find it really very strange. I mean, I guess I remember learning, like, learning to sing Latin and learning like passages of Latin that I'd have to sing, uh, and I learned. I remember in particular laughing about. You know how I can't even remember what the Latin was, but it was like eight in terra pack a minibus because someone lost their car keys. I mean, I remember, like, <laughs> remember like translating the Latin to English. Tab- oh,
1: that sounds like travel. fun. Yeah, yeah, I went to all boys Catholic high school. Yes, so you know we took I took four years of Latin. <laughs> that must have had some impact yes. on me.
0: Yes. <laughs> so listening to this stuff, it's kind of appalled me. Because most of it, and in large part, because the kind of paedophile aspects to it as well, it's interesting when culture is so heavily intertwined with a particular religious perspective. And I guess that's the thought that I've taken away from this. When say that again, when what is defined as high culture is so heavily intertwined with religious propaganda.
1: Well, it certainly has been. I'm not I think maybe that's beginning to change
0: but. well, that's where it gets interesting, yeah, because I have very little intimate interaction with my culture back in Australia,
1: well, the whole idea of high culture anyway, what the fuck does that Well, mean?
0: that's exactly where it gets interesting <laughs> i mean i'm I don't dispute any aspect of that,
1: yeah, you know but, art you know what what is art anyway? <laughs>
0: Well, many would argue it's a commodity.
1: Well, you know, people have their their say. Again, all that's just you know the fucking story we make up mm. about the shit.
0: Mm. <laughs> but I guess I've been thinking about what this thing actually means going forward. Like, what it means. What what thing? Well, what, well how would one describe throw it? Like intellectual endeavors. Like how how do you have these things that? I mean, mm. traditionally. You had science, and you had music, and you had all these things where they had things oh, yeah. and they had yeah. things there. Yeah. Everyone was agreed upon, and you know, yeah. if you were going out for a concert, well, that's all still exactly good. Me, but it, you know. yeah,
1: there are other ways that are <laughs> slightly more subtle than that. <laughs> I
0: guess, I guess, historically, a large portion of this was encoded in a kind of formality, which I don't see existing anymore. It doesn't, at least, exist in my life. It may exist in the lives of some. People that I knew once. Well, anything
1: useful in? I mean, I there is there is a sort of stodgy side of science and mm. academia. Of course, you yeah, that question. And and that's and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's good. That's their job is to be stodgy, <laughs> and because they they finally die, and somebody who isn't quite
0: as stodgy. That's where so. it gets very interesting, because this is like somewhere through adulthood, all the people imposed some things on me are dead. <laughs> yep. Now what does that actually mean? That means that I have the liberty to hold my hands up and say, I'm just irking my way through this thing. Screw those people. They were fascinating to interact with. I had a few chuckles on their behalf. But now we're moving to a period where I don't have to acknowledge that anymore, and I can actually pick my own path.
1: Well, you, you not only can you, you must. Well, <laughs> You that's, do.
0: <laughs> that's where it gets interesting, because there's still probably a group of people maybe on the East Coast here, that are performing these kind of religious pieces of music as as they were, you know, defined and shown and feel that they're higher culture, that their children should be empowered. They might be religious folk. They might not be religious folk. Yeah. But it just strikes me yeah. as really very, very... Well,
1: there's that side of the artistic community. You know, I, I mean, I'm well aware of that. I mean, that question. You know, it's... Uh, I... I <laughs> I don't mind those people. You know, I mean, I always, I mean, I, there's a society down here uh, that my former cello teacher runs. She's like 88 years old or 90 years old, and she still conducts her own community orchestra and, and shit. You know, and all these rich people from Palos Verdes States, uh go to these concerts that she puts on. She brings in really good sort of unknown musicians to do really first-rate uh, productions, you know. <sighs> I don't know. What can you say about that? Yes. You know, that's cool. Yes. And she, it's all money that just all, a bunch of rich people. So I don't know. She's got some spot corporate sponsors, and she has – you know, I don't know how the hell she does
0: it. But yeah.
1: Yeah, amazing lady.
0: Can we call a one-glass break here? I have a cat meowing at the door, and I need to press stop. Oh, I thing. thought
1: that was a cat at my door. No, okay.
0: no, it's a cat at oh, my door.
1: You know, I really did think I heard a cat.
0: <laughs> well, it was at mine, believe me. Believe me, he was very loud at mine. Yeah, yeah, well, it's funny, because I... I wasn't
1: quite sure whether I heard it or not, that then when you said that, it all made sense. Yes. Because you know? well, there shouldn't be a cat at my door. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, there's a cat at my door. Yes. <laughs> anyway, he'll fall asleep at my feet in a minute. Um, and he'll announce himself a few times first. But yeah, I guess it's, the thing I'm thinking about with regards to this is specifically associated with musical programming. Because when I write music, I have all that stuff as musical programming. Like, that's the context that I learned music in. And I hear. An I
1: don't know what that. I don't know what that means. You're say that again.
0: Okay. So when I listen to my own compositions, I hear periodic borrowing from the religious. It's not just religious religious music. It's the classical music in general that I was taught at that age. Okay. Because okay. So you're saying, yeah, right yeah,
1: now. that's part of what you do is informed by the music you're familiar with. Yes, or the the music that I
0: learned from or performed, or this kind of stuff. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. And it's so implicit that I almost need to listen, and I do this, I listen to the music in various mind states. Like, I listen to it first thing in the morning, late at night, various days, when I'm at work, when I'm not at work, and I can only hear things at certain times, which is where it gets particularly curious. So, (laughs) like, a lot of my stuff is genuinely discordant. In fact I like discordant music in general. I mean I I was formerly in the public schools, so this is where I, you know, went to music teachers or what have you. But as we've lamented previously, you're taught major keys only in Australian public schools. <laughs> so all my discordant music in all my minor key music um <sighs> comes in complete like <laughs> completely against that aspect of yeah. my so, I
1: mean, they, they just, uh, like, the Rite of Spring just doesn't even exist in their vocabulary. Exactly.
0: And if you listen to, and this is what <laughs> I've made to, to prior Stonet <laughs> listeners, if you listen to the likes of ACDC, uh, if you listen to basically a variety of Australian bands, you hear this impact on the stuff that they wrote. The Crowded House is the name of the band that I frequently forget when I talk to you. Uh, they're an Australian musical group as well that employs exactly the same style. So when you know that and you listen to Australian music, you can identify Australian music very quickly because most of it is written as it's taught in Australian public schools. Increasingly, <laughs> they don't teach music, and certainly while I was going through Australian public schools, they <laughs> reduced the teaching to help. of music. But, well, it's interesting. If you, have a, if you have a culture where people, even if it is without minor keys, can easily access and learn music, you have a very different culture than you have, well, in the majority of the U.S. Is there a
1: good way online? I mean, it would seem that somebody must have sort of handled that. I mean, if I wanted to learn some instrument, isn't there some way? There's copious can, quantities
0: uh, of YouTube clips, and I think now YouTube basically… You think, designed, I mean, but has
1: anybody put together anything that somebody could, like a kid, could get started?
0: Keyboard with? or guitar or… You know, a wide variety of these kind of instruments is uh, certainly a hot oboe, probably. Huh? <laughs> Less so. Uh, but it is interesting because I'm now forcing myself to hear myself with a different ear mm. and also realizing that a lot of the eccentricity that I learnt was in complete reaction to Australian, you know, Australian music yeah. teaching styles. Yeah. Um, which makes it considerably more eccentric than what could be accepted by general, you know, mainstream Americans as well, which is where it gets particularly curious. Associated with this 40-year thing, in parallel to this, I was contacted, of all people, by my mother, who had found that if you take the 23andMe DNA records for $5 more, you can send it to a health site that will do analysis on your DNA and give you statistics back associated with this. I can demonstrate this to you very directly. I can actually share with you my version of this, uh, so you can see all my shortcomings.
1: There's and all the important ones I already know.
0: <laughs> well this is where it gets particularly fascinating actually, because very few of these actually this is something that has crashed my version of core recorded previously. But I'll I'll pass it to you anyway. It starts with a very beautiful photo, which doesn't currently in fact what interests me is how the curious predictions are associated with like various mental things that I would never share with anyone. But it says You know, you don't have the same degree of fear as other people. Associated with baldness, associated with eye colour, and they actively admit that they don't know my blood type, which is particularly curious. But, you know, they give you um, a report which is 6.8 megabytes of text, which is a huge amount of text. There are more studies than I've been able to go through that are represented there. But what they're doing basically is collating your genetics to medical studies and showing um, what you know, what percentage, it's never percentage, actually, it's a multiple. So, you know, it says that I'm seven times more likely than the average person to be bald. And they have all these kinds of things through there.
1: <laughs> well, that certainly is, yeah, they're, they're making a big deal about that. About that. Do they have some baldness uh, yeah. advertisers on their no no, side? no, no, no,
0: no, 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 no. Well, after you pay your five bucks, it actually is real. I mean, okay. what you don't see, obviously, is obviously many of these studies are funded by a variety of different interests. So it's not without, like...
1: Oh, well, of course. It's just uh, more data to be absorbed. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, know, like so you I'm don't some, already have enough. Yeah. <laughs>
0: My spiritual advisor has been unwell for a good portion of this week, and I've been sleeping in a spare bedroom. And actually, in the spare bedroom late at night, reading these articles is actually quite interesting. Um, there's a certain degree of intimacy associated with alcohol use. So, uh, cannabis use is in there. A variety of things, uh, tobacco use, which are obviously down to personal preference, but they do give insights associated with, you know, if I was a tobacco smoker, I would be less susceptible to cancer you know, in all circumstances, and a lot of it is subtle things, like yeah. the way in which you inhale, which I never realized there was genetic effects associated with that, the, um, the,
1: the way you inhale.: Yes. You mean which set of muscles you use? Yeah, and 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 whether
0: you naturally inhale deeply or whether you inhale slowly.
1: Yeah, but they learn very quickly as part of the language machine how to control the breathing.
0: Well, what's fascinating is it says that I don't inhale deeply, which is a problem that I have because I wake up in the morning, particularly if my lungs are full of fluids.
1: Many people Uh, don't, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway,
0: and there are all these subtle things and there's a degree of intimacy associated with these results. We kind yeah, yeah, of read them, cool. and you're like, "Hmm, yeah, that does kind of sound like me." Yeah, this yeah. is where it's a horoscope, and this is where it gets fascinating. So, the U.S. government sued Twenty Three and Me not to release these kind of health records. It's only been the past years, a couple of years. The Twenty Three and Me has loosened this, and they've never gone to this deeper um, level. The, yeah. the company's name is Promethes. How would you pronounce that, Promethes? Prometheus, probably. Prometheus, yes. Yeah, um, well, that's how I do it. Yeah, Prometheus. I guess, yes. It is an ease at the end. And, yeah, they offer this for $5 after you get the 23 and me okay, thing. Okay, yeah. But, yes, it is interesting that what you're seeing here is a variety of statistics,
1: which... I'm not sure I'd want to know. <laughs> yeah, that's a good well, question that comes up. Is, do I
0: really want to know? My mother found it incredibly upsetting, she found it terrifying, in fact, reading yeah, this stuff. Yeah.
1: Well I'm thinking, yeah. Towards what end, you know?
0: And I just took it as some data. Yeah. It's a percentage.
1: Well, and of course it could be all bullshit too. Well, this I mean, is, you're this not is all where, bullshit, but I mean, you know, it may be completely reinterpreted five years from now. Oh, gets, they so didn't this, know what the fuck exactly. they were. This talking is
0: where about. it gets to the horoscope component <laughs> that it really is horoscope yeah. science.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it's not. It's yeah. This is somebody's Somebody's put this shit together here to make an extra buck.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, extra five bucks, but still, it's interesting how... Yeah, but he
1: only gets one buck of it. Well, so. it's
0: interesting how cheap
1: it is as well.
0: I mean, it's, it can only get
1: cheaper. Sure, there's enough suckers out there to pay the five bucks. Uh <laughs> shit.
0: <laughs> well, five bucks is what, the coffee and a Danish...
1: Yeah it's, yeah, it's it's irrelevant to yeah. a good portion of humans. Yeah. Well, some people anyway. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, the level of intimacy, See,
1: that's something that I'm still trying to grasp, (laughs) you know, that five bucks is totally fucking irrelevant to a certain percentage of human beings. Mm. But for all of my adult life, five bucks was something I had to consider. Mm. And, um, well, it's just an interesting perspective. But, I mean, at any of those times, you know, 10 cents – would have been throw away who gives a fuck you yeah. know <laughs> it's just a matter of what game you're playing mm.
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> yes so i don't think i'm any wiser having had this data but i certainly know that what i feel as ocd is clearly given to me through nurture rather than nature or at least statistically from what they say
1: i don't um, does it really make any difference
0: if you have a particular propensity for OCD, well, OCD is clearly
1: a huge part of what makes me me.
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting actually because when you talked about meeting your biological siblings, in particular yeah. your biological brother or was he your half brother, anyway.
1: No, he's my brother.
0: Your yeah. brother. You have this. You have this strong sense of what is nature, right? Well,
1: there were some real interesting similarities. <laughs> That's all I can say. You know, just what they all mean. Who knows? But you in know,
0: terms of, well, in terms of phraseology, I mean. Oh yeah, he actually
1: you- uses some phrases that I that, yeah. That, yeah I don't remember. It's funny. I I've lost that now. It may mm. have come back to me at some point. But yeah, there was a particular phrase that he used. I mean, but it wasn't that uncommon a phrase either. I'm sure many people. Mm use that phrase but still i noticed it <laughs> well
0: i mean i had experiences like for example when i walked through new york downtown new york at 2 through, well, the 2 a.m through or the meatpacking district or whatever it was called and didn't feel any fear and the one time late one evening where a guy ran up behind me and i just uttered this kind of guttural growl yeah. and he stopped and ran the opposite direction <laughs> i mean there are genetic predictors that at yeah. least they've that's published in the document yeah. that seemed to indicate that that was genetics.
1: Oh, that could well be. That's you know I have that very thing. I uh growled down a dog mm. recently. That mm. was I knew that it, it, well she wasn't really a problem but it was scaring a friend of mine. Yeah. And I and I really just growled at her and she left. (laughs) That was amazing.
0: Well you spent quality time with dogs, so I mean you have a different perspective. I mean not hostile Uh, dogs necessarily, but you spent quality time with
1: them. Well if I spend any time with them at all, I spend I try to make it worth somebody's (laughs) at least worth my time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't particularly like this dog, but I mean, I understand this dog has had a fucked up life and lives in a fucked up place, and <laughs> it's a fucked up dog. Yes, I say, and I have a certain sympathy for that. Yeah, but the other dog, you know, the the um, golden retriever man, that was uh, well, that was a fucked up dog, man. Yes. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, well, but um. No, just a different perspective, I think. And it's interesting, actually, because in studying these musicians that are all, well, they're not half my age. They're about, you know, they're 25, 26, 27. The, well, how would one even characterize it? I don't want to use terms like wisdom or things, but just the amount of information and experiences and counter-experiences... Unlike, I guess what one would call life lessons in some Well, if you're cliche. paying
1: attention. Yes,
0: if you're paying attention. You have to pay attention. Yeah. Few
1: people do. Yeah.
0: That's why we have television.
1: Yeah. <laughs> because then you don't have to think about all that shit. Yes. But if you're paying attention, uh, you actually can become wiser.
0: Hmm. Yes. Anyway, th- th- these folks are completely lacking it. And they don't appear to have any inclination to even like start adopting that. Which means that the folks that or their fans, typically don't have...
1: Well, most humans, I think, or at this point, uh, don't even get that. That's even an option.
0: Mm. There's an interesting... I will rarely refer to this puppet show that's going on currently. Um, but <laughs> Trump said in an interview on some television station, probably Good Morning America or something like that, that he would kill the terrorists' families. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there was some uproar associated with this, and I'm like, what are we already doing Exactly, that. like, what the <laughs> fuck are these people even thinking? Like, who are these people that don't already know that?
1: I guess they're the people that vote, right? Well, no, but that's why I've given up. I mean, again, there's just not... That The whole debate
0: that the, is no, so full no, of so shit that it's just are, not worth getting involved we're in. We're in complete agreement, but occasionally these stunned factoids get <laughs> in the to face... Voice. And I'm just like... Trump's
1: great, man. I hope he gets
0: elected. I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, I, the sad thing is, I dislike Trump less than I dislike Clinton.
1: yeah. Yeah. And Ted Cruz, Jesus, now talk about a fucking nut. I mean, yeah, he's probably nuttier than, than Trump.
0: Gestures. This is yeah. actually why we were, we were waiting, and this will be a concluding topic for the <laughs> evening. We were waiting in a long sushi line to get into a sushi restaurant, which is why I was worried if I could not talk to you. And I said to my wife, we were right next to a supermarket, and I said to my wife, I wonder if they sell National Enquirer, because this Trump thing that he's alleging comes through National Enquirer. <laughs> and the National Enquirer, it wasn't the same National Enquirer as this one. It was resold to these new folk. That they broke John Edwards and all the other, you know, the the real meaningful atoms of news that one might get associated with the fact that these people are just all complete megalomaniac liars, just <laughs> institutionally corrupt and like souls as black as a smoker's lungs. We got Cruz's secret affairs, He likes brunettes. This is clearly, I mean, it's it's not even that it could be false. It's so clearly down to the metal of the individual. And it's like, what kind of double life is this guy leading? Well, firstly, he's spending a small fortune on prostitutes. That's the nicest thing I've heard about uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah.
1: yeah, which is fine as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. It's all this Christian yeah, bullshit.
0: Exactly. Like what, what, how about leading a degree of like, you know.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, what you do in, you know, in your off hours is your business, but not mine. It's
0: interesting I. actually. Is, is, <laughs> but let's let everyone have as many eccentricities and as many personal interests as possible here. Like, yes. why stand in the pulpit? You know. Well, it's hard. Yeah, it's it's.
1: Well, it's an amazing time to look at this election and look at the options. and, and
0: It's all been created by the political system as well, which I think is the, the final bow on top of the pile of –
1: Well, it's not – again, no, it's not just the – again, you can't separate it from money.
0: Well, that's exactly the point. I mean – You know, I mean so, yeah, the, the, and it's, the it's the exactly media. what
1: this planet has created yes. for itself yes. right now. Oh, oh man. Yes. Yeah, it's hard to see – well, yeah. I mean, Jesus, it's almost catastrophic. No matter what happens.
0: Yeah, I'm in, in this know? process. I am again going through my friend reduction on Facebook. Apologies <laughs> to folks that are being removed. Um, but yeah, I'm again reducing my friendship group on Facebook. Some of which is mildly punitive. Some <laughs> have I is, survived? Am I still there? No, it's amazing. Actually, you <laughs> pissed me off in a remarkable. Length of time on Facebook. Was oh, that what you used to get uh, people well, off your? Part of it is you it off, is. and
1: then part you should have gotten written of me then. Well, no, that's not your only. Uh, true, without the, question, because yeah, we, we remain with friends which on you Facebook. Piss them off is yeah. what counts.
0: So, yeah, progressively, I've, I've whittled away at a number of folk, many of whom still remain friends with my spiritual advisor. So she tends to get the better updates, and as we've noted, she reads far better than I do. So I'm sure. I'm
1: approaching eight hundred friends now. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get well below
0: Oh no, believe me. Have your friends, Herod. Enjoy your friends.
1: Promiscuous. You're right, man. I I'm just a fucking whore. Yeah. Come on, man, be my friend.
0: Yeah. Uh you won't pay any attention to them, but they will still be your friends.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you just get my numbers up. That's all. Mm. That's all I want. Yeah. You know? And and a and a shot at your brain. <laughs>
0: You know? yes. What you do with that's totally
1: up to you. Yeah, so, but give me a shot, man. Yeah,
0: I, yeah, I'm, I'm aiming for below three hundred. My ideal number would be two hundred. Really? Well, yes. that should
1: be relatively easy to get. I got to. Got rid
0: of the gentleman who posts periodic things associated with Bernie Sanders on our Stone Ape <laughs> Facebook page, who clearly doesn't listen to Stone Ape. I mean, it's kind of upsetting.
1: Oh yeah, well, yeah. She's yeah. just
0: yeah. That he's just basically trolling our page. Now we are yeah. no longer friends yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I might start uh, removing his posts. Hmm. But uh, yeah, increasingly, I just want to reduce, in large part, because I'm trying to optimize for productivity currently, and I spend less time on Facebook. In fact, my spiritual advisor has been lamenting that recently that she typically posts two or three things to my page that I don't even see because I, I really, yeah, you know, I'm down to. Well, I'm down to probably... Well,
1: there are only so many minutes per day, yeah, you know. It's, it's a tough choice. It really is. Yeah.
0: And actually, I'm finding increasingly that... I mean, YouTube seems to just be filling a lot of my downtime. Uh, I found a few more... You have downtime? When I lie in bed at night, historically, I used to read. I still read periodically, actually. Most of the time, I'm collating short funks, which I should point out. As Casey Neistat reaches a year, I will be reaching a year of short funks.
1: A year? Damn.
0: In a few weeks. What I can say from that is Neistat got two million. I don't even know what numbers (laughs) they have with short funks currently. Uh, People listen to them in their own right. I mean, the fact that none of my folks that I'm meeting with in the UK have approached me, associated with me not going to the UK, which I posted on short funk a few days ago, um, seems to indicate that most of the people that consume short funk consume them in bursts. Um and currently, mm. honestly, I produce them in bursts. I mean, I don't yeah.
1: I don't day to day.
0: I do here's five, here's three, yeah. here's Yeah, right. yeah,
1: that makes perfectly yeah. good sense. Yeah. Yes, that's
0: the way I produce them. Um, sure. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know what I've learned through this process aside from the fact that I can actually Well, so you've
1: learned how to how to whittle it down to a manageable size. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know if I've reached an audience through this. I mean, most—it's interesting when you go to people listen to short funk, also listen to on iTunes. Most of them are model rail related things, and I realise that basically I've just translated one audience to another audience. There's been
1: well, some of them, yeah. Well, there's a small
0: component of people that only listen to short funk, and I don't really hear from them in any gravity, I have basically the same people corresponding with me associated yeah. with everything.
1: So you're yeah, splitting up. Yeah. Well, yeah, well the, obviously, you know, your whole presence in that environment is tied in with uh, the model rail radio.
0: You yeah. know? I mean, that's... Yeah, if you get success like I've seen in that particular area, yeah, you're yeah. going to sneeze at a
1: problem. It, is- it can be a problem. <laughs>
0: it, it, is, it is interesting. I was talking with someone through the week associated with something that they'd done, which had basically created like a, a smaller model rail radio, but a similar phenomena associated with just having an audience that they had to maintain. And like, what were their ethical responsibilities? It was an interesting conversation have with me because my response is you've got to maintain them. You know, you can't just, I mean, you can drop them, but if you drop them, you've not taken on the experiment. So at the extent which you should embrace <laughs> these kind of experiments, I guess. And, um, It's nice, actually. I mean, when I walk around at work, when I get up from my seat and, you know, go get a cool beverage or just walk the halls. Occasionally, I walk the halls just to get a little extra exercise. Um, You do get a sense that you're in a very rarefied, very... Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a created environment. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's
1: That's a very specially created environment. Unlike... 99.999% of the rest of the universe. Without
0: question. But the thing I like walking through an environment is also thinking, and I have model rail radio. And this is the part why I want to do this basic thing as well. Because irrespective of whether it's a success or failure or just something that kind of percolates, I will think, and I have, and I have no belief, you know? Which is nothing to sneeze at. It's something that, you know... Uh, yeah.
1: Well, of the you've population. used your time to explore the universe yeah. in your own way. Yes. And there are products to yeah. show for that. Yeah.
0: yeah. Which, you know, within two or three generations could just frizzle to nothing.
1: Well, it's but, not important, really. Yeah. You exactly. know, I mean, it's part of the process. That's the way evolution works. You mm. got all these weirdos doing all this weird shit. Some of it works. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Going to these business meetups, I mean, I realized I'm pitching three ideas that I hadn't really considered all that seriously, really. But, you know, they're real fucking products. You know? Simple.
0: Well, they're pitchable ideas. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can, I mean, they, they make sense as products. Yeah. You know, just, I mean, they're not, yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you have any topics, any final things you want to raise with the community? <sighs> I never got to budget sushi. I might round out with budget sushi if you don't have any more ideas.
1: No, go ahead.
0: <laughs> so we historically, periodically went out and had sushi. And we have very particular, I do at least, spiritual advisor aside, of really particular things associated with sushi. The fish shouldn't be at room temperature. Um, I like smaller cuts of fish, I don't like large, pillowy kind of bits of fish. Not a huge fan of these heavy sauce roll things. I like like cuts of fish on rice where you can taste the fish and experience the texture and these kind of things. And um, in Las Vegas, we were spoiled for choice. It was actually competitive. In this area, not so much. In San Francisco, I go to San Francisco annually for WWDC. I like a few sushi places there. And we've been looking for a new sushi place in our area because we've encountered all the problems that I've described, in particular the room temperature fish, which I really don't like. So we decided to find a new place, and I gave it to my spiritual advisor in order to, you know, all the credentials and left it with her, with a view that we'd go and eat there tonight. We arrived there, and I have certain... I don't know what one we'll call them, biases Want a better term, associated with the kind of people that eat at the sushi restaurants that I like to eat at. <laughs> we arrived here. There were a bunch of white folk, all heavily sunburnt, some wearing th- what we call thongs, what you might call flip-flops here or whatever. Um, and I just thought, this is not what I expect. And looked at my spiritual advisor. It took about 40 minutes to be seated. It was very popular. Uh, it rated very heavily on Yelp, which usually means that I won't like it. But actually, aside from big, pillowy fe- pieces of fish, some like maybe one in you know four or five that I ordered at room temperature, um, it really wasn't that bad. And I started to realize through this experience that the various biases that I had, I probably need to acknowledge <laughs> and treat with a certain
1: congratulations, degree of man. That's a major insight. Well. That really is. I mean, that's huge.
0: However, I do have particular biases, which I'll probably still fit into when I get to make the choice. No problem.
1: You know, I've got plenty of them. I'm committed to them until I find something better. I just don't think they're the truth.
0: Yes. Which is why when I eat sushi, for example, I mean, there, there, there are times where I graze by myself, typically in San Francisco for Apple's WWDC conference, occasionally... Uh, in Las Vegas, when I'm left to my own devices in Las Vegas, however, you know, having sushi with a partner periodically, I'm willing to look
1: I've never really had sushi. I just had the, like the California
0: rolls. (laughs) I first seriously had sushi in Vienna. (laughs) <laughs> and it was for my birthday when I turned, I think, 20, either 22 or 23. I had a digital video camera and I sang happy birthday to myself. I went up for sushi and it was it was like a Zen experience because it was so much associated with ritual that I didn't know but I could partake in. Mm. And the quality of the food and the size of the food, which I really liked was something that I realized that this was something that I enjoyed and could respect and was part of like a tradition which I was interested
1: in. So it was a whole evening of entertainment. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
0: And I've looked for sushi places that are like that. In Las Vegas, truth be told, most of the sushi places had, you know, the rolls and all this other stuff which you associate with this part of the world. But they still, the ones that I like, still did the cuts of fish and things like that that I like. I haven't been to Japan, and I'm really looking forward yeah. to when I go to Japan to find out these places because they're even more traditionally, more fanatic. Oh
1: yeah, I'm sure there um, are a host of, yes. you know, well written about places. i well, now internet. subjects yeah.
0: of documentaries and various yeah, other things. Yeah, um, yeah. so yes, yeah, of course you
1: have to make reservations eight years in advance. That's the,
0: <laughs> that's the downside. Or be Obama. But, yeah, most of us will just have to make reservations eight years in advance. And I've made sushi for myself. I've made sushi for my spiritual advisor. And it's something that I just, you know, I I actually, if if I wasn't married and prior to being married, I would eat sushi typically three nights a week at least. But most of that would be at a place where I was a regular. And I also used to do what I call snack sushi, which is literally like... If you're in between meetings, or usually what you would have is a lunch, but you'd just have a small portion of fish, basically, for yeah. that in passing. But it is something that doesn't really translate to a good portion of the population. But when you find like-minded folk, then, uh, you know, then it's doable. But it requires a very particular kind of establishment, which is hard to find. And most places that sell sushi just aren't, you know, it'll be room temperature, it'll be pillowy, uh, and it won't adhere to the to the rituals. But no, it's something that I kind of like to do in a strange, you know. It's just a thing.
1: Yeah, I've never had real sushi. Mm. You know, I may have once, but I've forgotten it. But mm. you know, mm. yeah, I have had some raw tuna, and that mm-hmm. was uh, nice. Yeah, <laughs> but nothing to write home about. Yeah. You know,
0: in San Francisco, you can get a variety of very, and actually, I've I found strange places like there's a place in monterey as well where they will do like an imported fish menu and you get there's one place in san francisco where like half the menu is imported and um the place in monterey like three of the cuts are imported now for some reason they seem to be getting local amberjack here which always used to be an imported fish type um, but, yeah, it's interesting just in a kind of – and my wife is completely different. I mean, she likes the rolls and the, what I would call Korean-style sushi, um, which in Vegas, at least, were typically run by Koreans. But anyway, so that's my budget sushi story from this evening. Of course, let's just start recording. See,
1: I'm really looking forward to a world in which I'll just take my energy tablets in the morning. You see, this is the, the distinction right here. Yeah. Huh?
0: This is the distinction right here. Yeah. Whereas I right. built a greenhouse in order to yeah. try to cultivate. No,
1: I I, I respect that. Mm-hmm. I think, that, and I think that that's fine if you like doing that stuff. But I don't think we can build a sustainable high tech culture if everybody does that. But again, it may be okay for a small number of people mm-hmm. to live like that. And so I'm not I'm not necessarily against it. It's just I don't think us, generally yeah. viable.
0: The next step for us. Well, actually, I've heard rabbits are good. Maybe we'll get rabbits rather than chickens. <laughs> chickens um, give a certain kind of manure, which is perfect for this kind of stuff. But rabbits, I've heard, are actually better and quieter and slightly cuter than chickens.
1: So, <laughs> well, but that's a drawback, isn't it? If they're cuter? Well, no. All you want is their manure. Oh, uh, you're not going to kill them and no, eat no,
0: them? No, no. All you want is their digestive tract that just converts uh, like right, green yeah. into brown yeah. that then yeah. can fuel yeah. plants. yeah. So that's the critical part. Oh, that's cool for them, then.
1: That's great. Yeah, yeah. shit. They just get free shit to eat and shit to make. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, that's the perfect (laughs) part of a production. People use fish as well for this, which I guess we could consider. Uh, But that whole kind of aquaculture stuff always – irks me slightly yeah. because the water see, I is- just
1: can't. Yeah, I mean, I can. Well,
0: if that stuff,
1: if you want to spend your time doing that kind of stuff, then that makes perfectly good sense for you to do that. You That's just part of revolution,
0: off. right? It's I'm like, sorry, what? You've got to have a part. I posted like nine different characteristics that will be critical in the revolution. Like, you need the teacher, the leader, the hunter, the farmer. In terms of like sustainable farming. Is something that really interests me, and hopefully we'll have, like, three or four, like, I might be yeah, the technical yeah. and the farmer, you know, you'll be the… Well, it's, it's an
1: important… Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's part of the future, figuring out how we're going to produce food and what food we're going to produce and, and, and what form that's going to take and how, you know, that's all up for grabs. Man, we get to design that now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, go for it.
0: Well, as <laughs> the audio deteriorates, Sarah? I think I should say goodnight. Oh, okay. Really?
1: The audio? Because it's been pretty good for me. Yeah, it has
0: now, and now it's just dropping off. So, let's use this as a natural pause, and hopefully, maybe, talk this time next week.
1: Okay. Good night.
0: Take care.